The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to the show, everyone. What a great year, right? As you've heard me talk about this on other shows, this year is the 25th anniversary of the signing of the Americans with Disabilities Act. How awesome and how unbelievable that it is, by the way, the 20th anniversary of Bender Consulting Services, all in the same year. I mean, we are planning a major celebration for the ADA, and we'll be talking about it throughout the year, but July 27th in D.C., Nickel Conference that evening, a big ADA celebration. So, Yoshiko Dart, hello. I always send out my little greetings to you, so shout out to you. And, you know, I have to tell you, I'm really excited about this show today because it's sad, but when I tell people, oh, yeah, I can find attorneys with disabilities, you can't imagine how many people are shocked, just as they are when I say computer engineer, Ph.D., you know, that this is something I believe will be changing, especially with Section 503 of the Rehabilitation Act. But today we have some people on the show that are working to make a big difference from the National Association of Attorneys with Disabilities, we are talking to Stuart Pixley, Catherine Carroll, and Michael Gilbert. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's always great to have guests who are advocating for people with disabilities getting employment. So, since we're going to be talking about this, I'm going to start with you, Stuart. How about if you begin by telling our listeners about your background at Microsoft? Oh, sure. So I've been uh, an attorney now for around 17 years, uh, but I've been with Microsoft since the fall of 2008, so I went over six years now. And uh, in my day job, uh, I specialize in patent licensing. That's business transactions enabling other companies to use the inventions covered by the patents in exchange for royalties or other sorts of business consideration. Uh, But at Microsoft, I've also been involved in their legal diversity program since, uh, you know, almost ever since I arrived. And in uh, 2012 to 2014, I led an eight-member team that uh, focused on uh, disability diversity, and now that team is still going, and and it's in the hands of uh, two new fantastic leaders. Great. Well, that sounds awesome. Um, Also, since we're going to talk about um, the organization, I'm first going to ask you, Catherine, how about you? What's your background? Uh, So I'm a fairly new attorney. Um, I was recently barred in New York, and my um, my background, as short as it is, is in uh, disability and human rights. Right now, I uh, I work as a consultant, and I help businesses and organizations, mainly nonprofits and government entities, right now, learn how to serve people with disabilities more effectively. And I've been doing that in the world of accessibility and art, uh, so supplying accessibility to people who would like to visit museum exhibitions and things like that, and then also in employment. Um, I'll be, uh, I'm associated with the Burton Blatt Institute oh, yeah. in Syracuse, and so yeah. I'll be starting a new project with them, which uh, works with um, the, the U.S. Department of Labor on improving employment services to people with disabilities. 
Awesome. And you know, uh, companies listening to this show right now, there are attorneys with disabilities uh, out there seeking employment. Before we started, I actually was telling our guest that we have, with 503, different companies contacting vendor consulting services, uh, seeking attorneys with disabilities. And actually, we worked with the Justice Department before doing the same thing. But, you know, people are out there, just as they are in biology or many other areas. But it's so exciting to get that news out. Uh, Stuart, what, what caused you to become involved in disability diversity? I know you do that at Microsoft. Uh, sure. So, you know, before I even uh, went to law school, you know, right after I graduated from college, you know, I spent a number of years working in uh, independent living centers in San Diego and in the greater L.A. area. And, you know, I learned just an awful lot about disability history and disability pride, and I felt this, you know, great sense of empowerment being part of a community. Uh, but, you know, you know, I, after I went to law school, I really sort of lost touch with the community, and I kind of focused just on learning to uh, how to be an attorney. And for many years, you know, frankly, I never saw anyone with a disability in the profession, at least no one I recognized. Then in around 2006 to 2007, I was invited to attend a reception in San Francisco for the National Association of Law Students with Disabilities. And I started speaking on panels at their annual conferences. And, you know, I just met so many really talented and promising law students with disabilities. And it was energizing to uh, be working with the community again and to help others find their way in this profession that, uh, you know, I've made my own home. So I've you know, kind of wanted to find a way to do more. And uh, when I came up here to Microsoft, they had a real robust legal diversity program, and I thought, you know, um, this is a really compelling framework for promoting uh, people with disabilities in the, in the field. It, you know, kind of spoke to all the same values of pride and community and empowerment that really resonated to me, and that's how I got started. You know what? That is really awesome. I, I mean, that background you talked about, working with uh, independent living centers. I've worked with uh, the independent living center in Berkeley, uh, which has a new uh, CEO, Stuart James. But, you know, it all started with Ed Roberts with these uh, independent living centers. Wow, that's really great background. Yeah, the independent living centers are the start of, of so much, not only back in the day, but you know, but even today. Yeah, I agree with you. So <clears throat> this got you involved with NAAD, the National Association of Attorneys with Disabilities. What is that? So the National Association of Attorneys with Disabilities is, you know, what we call in the field a minority bar association. And our goal is to help our members who are, you know, other attorneys with disabilities and our allies to, you know, to find good jobs and to build vibrant careers as attorneys. And we'd like to do this in two ways. We want to try to promote the inclusion of disability within the legal diversity movement, which as I mentioned, I think is really compelling. But we also want to work on helping our own members build their own networks and find their own mentors and champions and find their own way. Yeah. And how large is this organization? This organization is just at its very, very beginning. So, you know, we've established a, uh, a board of directors, and we've had about a year's worth of getting organized, and we're just now starting to take on members. And uh, the board of directors, are these all attorneys, or how does that work? Yep. All of the, all of the board of directors are other uh, attorneys with disabilities like myself and Michael and uh, Katie. Wow. So if someone wants to get involved, how would they do that? Well, they, we have a uh, we have a couple of different things. We have a, a website, uh, which I believe is uh, nadblog.com. Uh, we also have a uh, 
a Facebook site and a LinkedIn destination. I think uh, Michael has been uh, our our coordinator on that front. So, Michael, do you want to speak to that? Well, I mean, Katie's hand helped working on a lot of it with me and helping run it, but it can be found on Facebook or LinkedIn just searching for National Association of Attorneys with Disabilities. If you send a message through there, Katie or I will get back to someone right away. Okay, and and that's through Facebook? Facebook and LinkedIn. Facebook and? LinkedIn. LinkedIn. And there's also a contact form on the website that people can fill out if you have any questions. Okay, well, that's great. Seems like I absolutely look forward to hearing hearing from people. And how do you get uh, funding for this group? Well, so, you know, our initial, um, you know, there are some membership dues which have supported us so far, but we're also looking to reach out to um, corporations and diversity organizations and law firms because there's so many that are, have been very supportive about um, legal diversity which was based, uh, with respect to race and gender and so forth and um, sexual orientation, um, you know, it, it seems to be a natural thing to include um, an organization like Madden Mix. Right. And so anyone listening to the show now, if you want to get involved, you know how to get involved. <clears throat> I always say, without resources, you can't create change. So you'll be hearing more about this group if you just joined us. You're hearing Stuart Pixley, Catherine Carroll, and Michael Gilberg from the National Association of Attorneys with Disabilities. We have attorneys with disabilities on the show today who want to create change. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. At Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at benderconsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.benderconsult.com in the U.S., and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. 
Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. Welcome back, everyone. Hey, if you just joined us, what an interesting show today. We have Stuart Pixley, Catherine Carroll, and Michael Gilberg from the National Association of Attorneys with Disabilities trying to spread the word, spread the news. And one of the guests, Michael uh, Gilberg, it's a pleasure having you with us today. So before we go uh, very far, how about if you share with our listeners, uh, Michael, a little bit about your background? Sure. Thank you again for having us, Joyce. Um, I grew up at a time when people didn't know much about Asperger's syndrome, in the, in the, mostly in the 1980s, and was, for most of my childhood, misdiagnosed and misunderstood. Finally, when I was 18, they figured it out because... There seemed to be an explosion of autism spectrum diagnoses around that time, and without going into too much detail, I realized that what I wanted to do was help other children not go through some of the challenges I went through in special education and became a special education attorney. I now practice in Connecticut and New York with the law offices of Jennifer Laviano in Connecticut, representing children with disabilities, IEPs, 504, before sports of education, and when, when the parents feel they're not getting appropriate services for their children, we either try to negotiate or we end up filing for what's called a due process hearing against the Board of Education and hopefully getting their parents' services. So you mentioned challenges. What were the challenges? <laughs> it's very hard to sometimes for people to realize what a disability is when they can't see it. People understand blindness and deafness and being in a wheelchair, but they don't understand what they can't see. They, can, they, they look at me and they say, well, you're not disabled. You know, it's hard to understand for some people an emotional disability. But I think it's hard because, you know, I, I walk in and people don't think disabled, but, you know, sometimes it can be just as or more impairing than any disability that's physical. Right. Well, for people listening to the show that don't understand, uh, why don't you explain what Asperger's syndrome is? Asperger's syndrome is related to the autism spectrum, but much higher functioning. No communication, dele- no communication delays, above average intelligence, but social issues with reading people, relation- interpersonal relationships, reading social cues. But unlike autism, there aren't communication delays, and there are generally less motor issues, I would say. But, I mean, it's a spectrum, so everybody is unique. Well, what were some of the challenges that you went through growing up in school? Not making friends, being misunderstood by the teachers, teachers who thought I was just a troublemaker and didn't understand what the issues were, didn't understand how to relate to me or how to teach me. 
Well, I'm not, sadly, I'm not surprised to hear this. And by the way, you know, since I'm living with epilepsy, I know what you're talking about with a hidden disability. That's why when I go to corporations and they say to me, Joyce, you've got to help us. We've never hired people with disabilities before. I say, oh, yes, you have. Yeah, they're here right now. They are employees of yours. They have autism, epilepsy, uh, MS, diabetes, depression, bipolar disorder. It's just they don't want to tell you because they don't want you to treat them differently. And that's one of the reasons I think that some companies uh, were surprised when they started this process of voluntary self-identification that it was a little bit more difficult than they thought it would be because people are reticent talking about their disability. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Absolutely. The problem is, you know, not to single Stuart out, but Stuart's in a wheelchair, so people see him and they get it right away. You know, it's obvious to them. With me, it's not as obvious. They look, they don't know it. They, you have to tell them. And, you know, a lot of people with what I call hidden disabilities are frequently like to stay in the closet because they feel there's a stigma attached. Uh-huh. Yeah, what do you think about that, Stuart? No, I think uh, Michael is is spot on that, um, you know, and I think it's something that we're going to be coming to terms with more and more. I think that, you know, there's a nice trend with, um, you know, some of the media becoming a little bit more friendly to uh, folks on the Asperger's and uh, in, uh, autism spectrum. But, you know, I think there's just so much work left to do in the way of just sort of educating folks about who all well, is out there uh, in our midst and, you know, empowering them to, you know, bring their A games to work. And I know many lawyers with hidden disabilities, not just on the autism spectrum. I know lawyers with dyslexia, epilepsy, and all sorts of other disabilities that are just not visible to the general, to the public at large. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Catherine, what's your opinion? Why, why do you think people are hesitant? Ooh, why? Oh, that's a tough one. Um... I mean to disclose they have a disability. Well, there, I, I mean, you touched on it earlier, the, the stigma that can uh-huh. be associated yeah. um, with having a disability. Um, a lot of people that, uh, that I've met, uh, they see admitting having a disability as admitting that they have a potential weakness uh-huh. that could be used against them, especially in their careers. Um, they don't want to be seen as someone who's incompetent or requires more um, or who needs more time to do their work or requires an accommodation. Uh, the weight of, of having that over uh, over your head, if you're if you're thinking about disclosing, can be um, quite a deterrent. I think. Well, you're right on. Yeah, that is what it is. Because people feel if they disclose, it could impact their career. You know, all of a sudden it's going to be, oh, I didn't know you had epilepsy, or oh, I didn't know you lived with Asperger's syndrome. You know, whatever it is that all of a sudden, you know, they're going, it's as if they're going to look at the person differently. And sadly, in many cases, you know, they would, and they don't want it to impact uh, their career, their ability to move up, you know, in the company. So hopefully with all the work that's going on with 503, that that's going to um, help, help make those changes. Michael, you mentioned that you work with uh, children with disabilities, with autism. It's so funny that you would be talking about this because over the past several weeks, we had a young woman in school, um, I think around 13, and she had a person living with autism, epilepsy, and spina bifida, And it did have, uh, you know, she had a developmental delay. So one day at school here, and this is right here in Pittsburgh, she had uh, what they explained as a meltdown, 
and picked up her shoe and threw it at the aide, and the aide picked it up and threw it back at her and then grabbed her by the arms and literally dragged her across the floor. Now, thank God other people saw this. Of course, this woman will never be able, you know, to work in a school again. But, you know, in addition to that, there are still schools where they restrain people. Um, I know that's something that a friend of mine at the Disability Law Center in Massachusetts is working on, Chris Griffin, but do you ever run into this, Michael? All the time. And I don't work directly with the children. I work with the parents. Uh-huh. And when a parent comes to us, it's usually because they have, we're the last resort. They don't know what else to do with the district. And the problem is, in many cases, districts feel constrained by their budgets and fund, and it all comes down to money, which is unfortunate. But we have a number of restraint and seclusion issues. I'm recently added to the Board of CULPA, the Council of Parent Advocates and Attorneys, which is the large national professional umbrella organization for parent side special ed attorneys. And in fact, I'll be at this weekend in our conference in San Diego at our annual conference. And restraint and seclusion is a big issue in the field right now. I've had cases where it's it's clear, but it doesn't necessarily go the way you would expect. I had a case once where the teacher picked up the kid, ripped, pulled his shoes and socks off, and threw him in the corner. The aide reported it. The aide lost her job because the teacher had influence and was able to get the aide and the principal removed from the school. Wow. So we find in a lot of cases that the teachers get teachers or the aides or whoever get away with it because of potential influence that they might have over the administration. And the administration is always, excuse me, always worried about liability on the side, you know, financial liability of getting sued for a tort on top of all the special education issues. You know, isn't it hard to believe that still goes on? It happens more often than you would believe. I find children with disabilities who are consistently restrained, secluded, put into what are called, uh, uh, I forgot the name for the term, but they have these like quiet rooms. They put them in. They basically lock the kid in a padded room with no interaction with people. And they don't want to take the time to teach the kid because in many situations, there's too many kids, not enough teachers. And it's it, again, it's cynical, but it comes down to money. Right, right. Well, you know, I'm I'm glad that you're working on something like that. Um, so, Michael and Stuart, uh, why do you think so many young people with disabilities do not interview do not enter the field of law? Well, you know, I think you guys have been talking about a lot of the reasons, right? Right there, a lot of uh, folks with disabilities coping with sort of fear and uncertainty around uh, how they will make it in a professional role. There's a lack of folks who are actually kind of role models. There are obstacles such as um, getting appropriate accommodations to take the LSAT, which is the uh, entrance exam, uh, if you will, for um, for attending law school. Similar sorts of uh, challenges for folks uh, looking to take the bar exam. And, you know, speaking of the issue of, uh, of hidden disabilities, you know, a lot of folks who have been coping with uh, mental illness of one form or another have also been worried about um, passing the character and fitness portion of the exam, which for many, many years uh, asked the question whether or not you had a condition which, if unmedicated, might potentially impact your ability to to practice law. And so that was a, a very big red flag for a lot of folks who had conditions that you know, probably wouldn't infect their ability to practice law in the least, um, but the fear of having to disclose all of your, um, um, you know, Mental health history was 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 fairly daunting, but I'm really happy that you know the Department of Justice and a lot of the state bars are starting to see the light um, and starting to reframe their questions uh, to focus on conduct and not on um, disability status. So it's kind of surprising that we're still talking about that at this day and age, but it's great to see progress anyway. 
Yes, it is. You were talking about that test. Let me ask you, how often, Stuart, are there issues with accessibility? Well, you know, it, it really it really depends on who you're talking about and what their issues are. Now, I have to be honest. You know, I use an electric wheelchair, um, but I, you know, personally don't have as many needs for accommodations as uh, as most people. You know, a lot of it is all around, you know, some of the very basics. Everyone is looking for, you know, how to get to work, how to get to your job, how to get to your client meetings. As you, you know, start to go into more corporate um, flavors of practice, you know, issues around travel really sort of predominate. You know, I know that folks who... Um, who are blind, who have other sorts of, of uh, sensory impairments, have a whole different set of uh, accommodation needs in, in, you know, than I would. Um, you know, I think that the, the message is, yes, there are those challenges, but, you know, as a community, we've been able to figure out a lot of solutions. And I think, you know, the message needs to be, yes, look, like with anyone, there's going to be challenges. But, you know, with the right resources and with the right folks at your back, you know, you can get, you know, this is a field that you can practice in, too. Right. Yeah. Uh, Michael, do you have any comment about that, Michael or Catherine? Well, I think that, you know, it is what Stuart said, there has been a big issue with the mental health piece of it. And I'll let Katie talk more about the New York part of it because it was she took she's taken the New York bar more recently than I have, but there was a move in New York to try to ask on the bar exam for character and fitness about mental health status and it was quickly removed when they got a lot of pushback on it. But I do think it scares people. People get nervous and think, I can't be a lawyer, I have this disability and they don't realize that the only limitation is the one you set for yourself. And I mean I went through that early on thinking, could I do this? And now that I'm doing it, I find a lot of parents appreciate the empathy I have for their situation. One of my clients is a young woman who in many ways reminds me of myself at 17, and I've been able to give her mother resources well beyond that of a traditional attorney, beyond the legal representation. I've given her support groups, and I've given her coaching classes for college. And the mother wrote to me last week and said, before we had hired you, I didn't think it was possible for my daughter to go to college. Now I know she will, because her daughter had the intellect but didn't have the people skills or the social skills to do it. Isn't that, isn't that sad? But at the same time, it's wonderful that you were able to help her. That's and I've given wonderful. her, right, a college prep course that's specifically designed for kids on the autism spectrum. And now the girl is going to school, she's enjoying it, and she's getting herself ready for college instead of staying at home sleeping all day. Yeah, right. Uh, how about you, Catherine? Do you have any comment about this? I'm thinking about uh, the legal profession specifically. And we, uh, like you said at the beginning of the show, we are uh, 25 years out from the signing of the ADA. And so what that means is that we've, uh, people that were born around the time of uh, the enactment of the ADA uh, were able to go through school and then go to college with the ADA as a tool. So we've, um, I, my impression is that we've seen um, a lot of change happen at the, high, at, at the higher education level, um, but maybe not so much yet uh, in... Uh, in graduate school programs, in uh, professional degree programs, um, just because the ADA is still so new. Um, I, I personally felt that uh, my college, my, uh, my academic career in, in undergrad uh, was much different from an accessibility standpoint than law school. And I think maybe that could just be because not as many people with disabilities are going to law school and they haven't, uh, it hasn't, um, we haven't reached that critical mass yet of people with disabilities going through those graduate courses and uh, kind of paving the way for others. It's amazing how 
in so many areas, you know, of course, I'm all about employment, so I know how far behind we are with employment and, uh, you know, accessibility of applications and website and so many things. But I have to say, I, I am surprised hearing this, uh, you know, about these exams. I would have just assumed that, you know, none of this would have happened and that they had this under control. Well, and I think one of the big issues is a friend of all of ours, Stephanie Enyard, is actually who founded the National Association of Law Students with Disabilities, is a prime example. I'm going to defer to Katie because she knows more about the case, but she had to go through a severe amount of litigation in order to be able to take the bar exam with proper accommodations. Catherine, do you want to talk about that? Sure. Um, so, <laughs> um, so Stephanie paves the way for people like me um, who are blind or visually impaired. And she was not, uh, she applied to take the bar exam and another exam called the MPRE, which is an ethics exam, which uh, most people have to take to become lawyers. And she was not granted the accommodations that she needed to show uh, her knowledge and ability the, now, when was, when, was, when was this? This was... I mean, how many years ago? We're talking about 10 years ago. Wow. Holy cow. Okay, go ahead. Um, so, uh, some of the issues that came up during her case were things like the fact that technology had changed. So Stephanie wanted to use certain um, adaptive software that would allow her to read the exam on a, on a laptop. And the bar, examiners the bar examiners offered things like a human reader, uh, the test on CD, things that maybe uh, Stephanie had used when she was, when she was younger or not doing so, you know, such strenuous coursework. Um, but really hadn't used um, that um, recently. So she was much more used to adaptive software. Like I use ZoomText. Um, if you said that I had to read a long document using a human reader, it would never work because I ne I've never used a human reader in my life. So uh, that was one thing that came up was the fact that technology had changed. Um, what, what people used to make things accessible had changed. Um, so I was, was say, I, guess, I guess they were behind the eight ball because they had never heard of Zoom text or JAWS software. Right. Uh, there were other issues came up. They were concerned about security. That was one of the stated reasons that they didn't want to provide the test on a laptop. Uh, costs uh, came up. Uh, Michael mentioned this before. Um, money, money is an issue because sometimes these. Uh, accessibility software packages can be kind of pricey. Uh, Zoom text alone could be $5,000. So um, the bar examiners didn't want to pay that um, to provide that as an accommodation. So she fought this. Right. And she eventually won. She did. How long did this take? I would I mean, say it took two or three years, Katie. Yeah, that's about right. Oh, isn't that sad? That is really sad. Well, good for her. She was a pioneer that made a change. And it went all the way up to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, which would be one level below the U.S. Supreme Court. Wow. Amazing. Amazing what you have to do to create change. Well, hey, we're going to get ready to go to break, but if you just joined us, we're talking to Stuart Pixley, the president, Catherine Carroll, secretary, and Michael Gilbert, board member of the National Association of Attorneys with Disabilities. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back.
Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. At Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at benderconsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.benderconsult.com in the U.S. and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Family caregivers face some tough challenges every day in caring for a partner, parent, child, sibling, friend, neighbor, or even coworker. You are there to provide the care that these people need after everyone else has gone home. Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley will provide you with a social networking experience. You'll hear from experts and others who are experiencing the same things. And together, you will promote a common cause. Tune in to Family Caregivers Unite, live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Welcome back, everyone. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Um, and before we close, you know, we've been talking to Stuart Pixley, uh, Catherine Carroll, and Michael Gilberg, affiliated with the National Association of Attorneys with Disabilities. You know, they are really working to make change. And I hope you will be supportive because, as I've said before, it's difficult to make change without resources. So make sure you check them out, uh, make a donation, spread the news, spread the word, and you know you can download this show or you can go to iTunes. So make sure you do that, get the news out, send the show around um, so we can help them as they're trying to help others. Speaking of that, Stuart, you 
have some information I thought we could share with our leaders called Lawyers Lead On. Can you talk about that? Sure. So um, Lawyers Lead On is a book. It was published by the American Bar Association, um, led by their um, Commission for Disability Rights. It was edited by my good friends, uh, Carrie uh, Griffin Basis, uh, Stephanie Enrich, who you've heard about, and Rebecca Williford. And it's a collection of open letters from experienced uh, attorneys with disabilities writing to law students and to young uh, attorneys with disabilities, uh, providing advice, sharing hard-learned lessons, and kind of telling their own story. And it's neat because this was a book that's modeled on uh, a very similar project um, done for, uh, you know, women in law called um, Our Sisters, Our Daughters. Uh, and how do you get this book? Uh, you can get it from Amazon, um, and uh, I think you may be able to also get it directly from the uh, directly from the ABA. Lawyers lead on uh, Amazon by Stuart Pixley. Sounds great, and oh, you know what? Every time I think of this name, I think of Justin Dart. Yeah, it's, like I say, it's got great stories from folks from every corner of the legal practice, and one of the nice things is, you know, in the back, it sort of collects, if you're interested in stories about law school, it'll talk about that. It'll show you which which uh, which letters talk about that. If you're looking for people that have your particular disability and you kind of want to get their perspective, uh, if you are a blind law student with a disability and you want to know how blind lawyers have made it uh, through their way, you can, you know, there's a pointer to show you exactly uh, the folks that are speaking to your story as well. Right. That's awesome. Well, a couple of last things I want to talk about. First, Michael, you know there are many young people with disabilities that, as you said before, do have aspirations, do, you know, want to move forward, do want to choose certain vocations but are labeled and, and the bar is lowered, what advice do you have for them? As I've said before, and I've spoken to numerous groups of college students and young people with autism, and the advice I always give them is this. The only limitation is the limitation you set for yourself and the best advocate you will always have is yourself. One of the problems I find is a lot of young people, particularly those on the autism spectrum, lack self-advocacy skills. They don't know how to stand up for themselves and do what they, what they want. And, you know, sometimes what they want is not the right thing or not because they don't understand the social norms. But the best advice I would give is to go for what you want and don't let anybody else limit you. Well, let me tell the three of you a big problem um, that we're dealing with that I'm sure you're aware of, but for the past 12 years, I have done volunteer work with high school students with disabilities. It's called the Bender Leadership Academy, where I work with young people with disabilities about leadership, how to get a job, you know, how to write a resume. But unbeknownst to me, when I first started this, the thing the students talked about the most was bullying. And it is brutal what many students go through between school, Facebook, Twitter. You know, it's like you can't get away from this. It's 24 by 7. Uh, starting with you, Stuart, do you have any advice or words of encouragement there? Gosh, you know, it is, it, it is really hard. And, I, you know, I've, I've been very fortunate, I think, because, you know, I've had um, – my own community to, to lean on, and, you know, I think that was part of the story that, you know, I've been telling here and in, in the letter I wrote for Lawyers Lead On. Uh, you know, I think you need to, it's, you need to develop some skills, and I think that, that, you know, that Michael can talk more about that. But I think there's also a need to create safe places for yourself where you feel welcomed and empowered, and I think that that is a role that your own disability community can serve for you. Yeah. Uh, 
Any comment about that, Michael? Well, yeah, and I have a lot of cases with kids who are bullied, and the problem is in many cases it again comes down to money. The schools don't want to put the resources in or don't have the resources to help these students, and very often kids who are getting bullied might have difficult parents, so the school blames the parents and says, oh, the parents, and, you know, it's out of sight, out of mind. They don't want to have to deal with it. And in some cases, I had a case where a student was being bullied on Instagram by people in his class, and I had to tell the parents that the problem was there were no laws on cyberbullying because the laws had the special education laws have not kept up with technology, and they're not going to change anytime soon due to the inertia in Congress right now. The IDEA should be reauthorized, but due to the situation in Washington, it's not going to happen in the near future. So those cyberbullying laws will not be on the books as part for students with disabilities, at least in the next two years. My guess is it's going to take closer to 10. Yeah. Sad. Well, I know we're getting ready to uh, close the show here. Uh, Michael, before we do, you've accomplished so many things in your life. What would you consider your greatest accomplishment? I think my greatest accomplishment is preventing other students from going through what I went through. When I was in sixth grade, a social worker told my mother, forget about him. He'll never graduate high school. He's a waste. And now I'm a lawyer. And unfortunately, I looked up on the Internet because you can find anything in the Internet. About a year ago, this guy, to see if I could tell him he was wrong. But he had passed away a few years earlier. But my greatest accomplishment was proving everybody wrong. Yeah, well, that was a great accomplishment. That is a great accomplishment. How about you, Catherine? My greatest accomplishment? Uh-huh. Um, I would say that I've found some great mentors. Uh, uh, before I started law school, um, I found a few people who I really looked up to in the disability community and who were able to give me some concrete career advice and help me figure out what motivated me and what areas of law I was interested in. Um, I'm really proud that I was able to develop strong relationships like that. Well, Stuart, what, what, uh, for everyone that's listened to the show today, what message would you like to leave with our listeners? So I want to leave two messages. First, if you're an attorney with a disability or a law student with a disability or maybe you're thinking of becoming one, you know, I think the message is you're not alone. There's a community out here for you, and, you know, together we can really make this profession a place where we can all thrive. And you can you can certainly go into great things like uh, disability and law, like Michael and Katie have, but, you know, the field is wide open. Second, if there just happens to be any legal employers out there listening, if you really want the best and brightest, if you want scrappy, resourceful, tenacious attorneys on your side, I know just where to find them. Oh, boy, that is a great message. Well, first of all, I want to thank all of you for being with uh, us today on the show. Thank you so much. We end every show with a quote from a civil rights leader. And when I think about what's been said today, it so fits, and it's from Tony Quello, who said, when you get a chance to take the podium, speak up. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you all next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 